0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now, with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I love the Old Testament, and I hear people say
1: that um you know we don't need the old testament they they say the old testament is you know a book we really don't need and uh you know it's for the you know back in those days and 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 that kind of thing and and I, I will tell you we we need the old testament we need all the scripture and and uh I think of um uh I think of uh, a verse uh it's in first corinthians chapter 10 and don't turn there, I have it for you on the screen. It's in First Corinthians chapter ten in verse eleven and twelve. And it says, Now all of these things happened to them as examples. And they, we're talking about those in the old testament, were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the age have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. So according to Paul in 1 Corinthians, Paul is telling us that what was written in the Old Testament was written for our example, was written for our learning. Uh, It has been said that every principle found in the New Testament is pictured in the Old Testament. Or principles in the New Testament are illustrated in the Old Testament. So as you study the Old Testament, you can see what happened to Israel. And if you're smart, you'll learn from Israel and what pleases God and do that. And you can also look at Israel and what does not please God and don't do that. In other words, we should learn from their mistakes and their examples. So we're in the Old Testament on Wednesday evenings, and we're going to learn from their examples. I want to start in the beginning. As I was preparing uh, this teaching, I thought, okay, where do you start? Well, let's just start here. You got your pen, you got your pad. Uh, I want you to take down uh, some notes, if you will. The Old Testament is divided into four major sections, the law, history, poetry, and prophecy, the law, history, poetry, and prophecy. The law relates to Israel's moral life. The law, are you listening? Is found in Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. Uh, the history books relate to Israel's national development and life. Those books are Joshua. Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. The poetry books relate to Israel's spiritual life. Job, Proverbs, Psalm, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Pastor Johnny just finished that book a couple of weeks ago. The final section is the prophetic books. It relates to Israel's future life. As fulfilled in the Messiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, the prophetic books. And this is you can write down this one statement: the prophetic books are divided into two sections. You have the major prophets and the what else? Minor prophets. Very good. The major prophets are called the major prophets because of their length. The minor prophets are called the minor prophets because they are smaller than the major prophets. But the major prophets aren't called the major prophets because they are major in league. But some of the, some of the minor prophets, although they're uh, minor, they're major in their message and they have a powerful impact. Get the CD. So the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, which was also written by Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The minor prophets, you don't have to write down all this, the minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Uh, repeat those back to me. Y'all actually trying too. Big ups. And so here in Nehemiah, listen, we are in what section of the Old Testament? The history. Very good. The historical section. The name Nehemiah, write this down, means the Lord comforts. The Lord comforts. Now, anybody know who the shortest man in the Bible was? Nehemiah. (laughs) And <laughs> some of y'all just like, oh, I get it. Get it, Nehemiah? Nehemiah. Okay. The book of Nehemiah divides easily and nicely. Chapters one through six, write this down, are the reconstructing of the walls. Chapters 1 through 6, real easy people. Chapters 1 through 6 speak to the, or teach us about the reconstruction, re- reconstructing of the walls. Chapters 7 through 13 are the reconstructing of the people. Chapters one through six, the reconstructing of the walls. Chapters seven through thirteen, the reconstructing of the people. Now let's familiarize ourselves, if you will, with Nehemiah. You are going to love this book. By the end, it's going to be a blessing to you. I know it will. It's already been a blessing to me. And you know what I, what I like to do? I like to just kind of read the whole chapter with you tonight, and then we'll come. We'll come back, and we'll see how far we get. Okay. Uh, The book of Nehemiah, it's on page 428, and if you're looking at verse 1, I want you to say amen. Amen. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chisluv in the 20th year, I was in Shushan, the citadel. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them. Nehemiah said, I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province, in the province, are there in great distress and reproach. Underline that. The wall of Jerusalem, underline that, is also broken down. Underline that, and its gates are burned with fire underline that and it was when I heard these words that I sat down and what did he do saints he wept and what else he mourned for many days and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven and I said I pray the Lord God of heaven O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive or hear my prayer and your eyes open, that you might hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess their sins, the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned very important we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments the statutes nor the ordinances which commanded which you commanded your servant Moses Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are faithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the furthest parts of the heaven, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now, these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power, God. And by your strong hand, O oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Talk about the King for I was the King's cup bearer saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Let me just give you a little bit of background. Oh, I don't know. Let me give you a lot of bit of background of this awesome, awesome book. As you know, God has always required the people of Israel to stand against idolatry. And too often, God would find them engaging in idolatry and worshiping false gods. Where well, there came a point when God said, enough. Because their hearts were hard and stubborn and disobedient to the law of God. And so God allowed them to be taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if you know your Jewish Jewish history, you know that King Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful potentate and ruler of his day. At the same time, he was very cruel and very brutal toward people. King Nebuchadnezzar took the people into captivity in Babylon in three different deportations. This is what I want you to write down. The first deportation of the 70 years that the people of God are going into Babylonian captivity. The first deportation happened in 605 B.C. Write that down. The first deportation or taking them to Babylon happened in 605 B.C. The pharaoh of Egypt invaded Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar attacked the Egyptians and, and then attacked Jerusalem because they were allies with the Egyptians. It was at that time that King Nebuchadnezzar deported many Jews from Jerusalem to Babylon. Daniel was in that group going to Babylon. The second deportation, write this down, 597 B.C. King Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem and the king, king's son, uh, his name was Jehoiakim, uh, rebelled against Babylon. At that time, the Babylonians, are you listening? At that time, the Babylonians had a detachment of uh, soldiers stationed in Jerusalem to enforce Babylonian law. So Jehoiakim, the king's son, rebelled and there was a battle and the Babylonians won at that time. 10,000 Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity and Ezekiel was taken into Babylon in that second deportation. And the third and the final deportation, write this down, happened in 586 BC. Zedekiah, the king in Jerusalem, decided to rebel against Babylon after a long and bloody Battle. the city of jerusalem fell the babylonians leveled the city and burned the temple the walls of the city were torn down most of the remaining jews were taken to babylon to begin the 70 years of captivity at the end of the 70 years the jews were allowed to go back and to rebuild the temple and so the jews have been in babylonian captivity for 70 years are y'all listening you like history i got a lot of it for you tonight. The Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And after 70 years, it was King Cyrus who gave the decree that all the Jews could return to their homeland. It was at that time, listen, that about 50,000 Jews returned to Jerusalem. At that point, it was Zerubbabel, Joshua, and Nehemiah who went back to Jerusalem with that group. Zerubbabel was a political leader. This is all very important. It's going to come together for you in just a minute. Zerubbabel was a political leader. Joshua was the high priest. And Nehemiah, verse 11, told us that he was the king's cupbearer. Interesting. I'll tell you more in just a minute. So many of these Jews, you got to understand this here. Many of the Jews that were taken in the Babylonian captivity never saw Jerusalem. Many of them were born in captivity, so they never saw their homeland. So when they finally arrive in Jerusalem, they're standing there looking at the ruins and the rubble, and they roll up their sleeves and they go to work to lay the foundation. They're all excited to be home, and they're all excited to rebuild the temple and the walls. But listen. After some time, they began to encounter opposition from the outside and backbiting and gossip from the inside. And finishing the temple seems impossible. And listen, here you go. The enemy of lethargy began to set in and they began to become discouraged and discontent and disheartened. Sound familiar? You know, as a pastor, I see the enemy of lethargy Far too often, far too often, things are new and fresh and exciting and people are all excited and, you know, wow, yes, yes, yes. You know, I'm looking at this room right now. It's pretty, pretty packed in here right now. And, and, and I just wonder, I just wonder how many of us will still be here when we get to the final chapter of Nehemiah. Because right now we're all excited, new book, wow, it's going to be great, this is going to be awesome, new book, but but, but, but sometimes the enemy of lethargy can set in, it happens in your life, you get a new job, and you're all excited about the new job, and after a while, I hate that job, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about, you get a new car, and, all, and you're all excited about the new car, and after a while, I hate that car, you get a new spouse, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) It's sad, but true. And it happens in the Christian life and the Christian walk as well. You become a Christian and you're all excited about the Lord and you're excited to come to church and you're excited to hear the word and you're excited about worship and you're excited about praise and you're excited to share your faith and you're excited to come to church to be around one another. We talked about it on Sunday but and, and, and a new ministry begins and people get all excited and the enemy of lethargy begins to creep in. listen, saints, my question to you tonight is... Has the enemy of lethargy crept into your walk? Ask yourself, have you become lethargic? Aren't we just talking about this on Sunday? Don't become sluggish. And we do. And one of my favorite verses when I first became a Christian, one of the verses that I remembered and and ministered to me and held me, kept me going, kept me moving forward in the things of the Lord was in first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord and know that your labor is not in vain. You gotta keep moving on this Christian race. Somebody clap your hands and say amen, like you know. You gotta keep going. You can't you can't get you know lethargic and like, oh well, you know, this Christian thing. Well, you know. If I get to church, well huh, I'm a little tired. You know, well, ministry, you know, the children's ministry, I got signed up, but I, and I had a hard week and, you know, I need to call Miss Claire and get a substitute. And I was supposed to do cafe. You know, anybody can crush some beans. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm working here, people. What else? Projection. Oh, anybody can click some buttons. Greeters. Oh, anybody can hand out. It don't have to be me. Somebody else can do it. Do you know? Do you know if 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 the leaders of any church acted that way, you wouldn't have a church. This thing called Christianity requires faithfulness. It is required. I wait. It is required in a in a in a, in a servant, in a man or woman of God, that they be found. Faithful, the word says steward, that they they be found faithful. God is looking for faithfulness. And we have to be mindful and don't allow lethargy to to creep in. Well, listen, when the enemy, now here comes the good news. That was the bad news. Here comes the good news. When the enemy of lethargy comes in, guess what happens? God knows that. And God always sends a word of exhortation. A word of exhortation is a powerful tool, y'all. Can I get an amen right there? God knows that. And that's why at, at, at this time where the people are lethargic and the people are disheartened. Now, y'all listening. And the people are um, um, discontent and, 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 and sluggish. God sends a man with a spiritual gift. It was at this time. When they're standing there discouraged, their hands are in their pockets, and they're unenthusiastic because the temple is destroyed, the walls are broken down, things seem hopeless, that God sent, get this, Zechariah. God sent Zechariah to Zerubbabel. That's where we get that great statement. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's why that was said. God says, Zerubbabel... The project will get completed, but it won't be. Somebody need to listen to me. It won't be by might. It won't be by power. It won't be by your own ability. Might speaks of your collective strength. Power speaks of your own resolve and your own intellect and not by your own ability or your own physical strength. God says the rubber bell, the project will be completed, but it won't be by your own resources or determination. It won't be by your own ability. The project will be completed by the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit actually in con." Of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, just like the oil that is getting into the lamp, it is God who will supernaturally provide the oil. It will be God who will get the temple built. It will be God who will build the walls. And I think that's a word for us tonight. I don't know. I know it's a word for me. That's a word for me. What? 10 people clapping their hands? I don't see that. We all need to know that. It's not by might nor by power whatever you're planning it won't happen by program or human power it won't be by motivational speakers or human ingenuity or human inspiration it won't be by your strategizing and your sweating and your striving I gotta know that you gotta know that we need a bigger church I want this half of the room to say amen I didn't hear nobody over here We need a bigger church, you know, and, and God, is, God is showing me. It's not going to be, we will not get a bigger church by, you know, uh, us sitting, you know, in, in, in the conference room and strategizing how to extract more money out of your pockets. It's going to be by God working and God empowered and Holy Spirit energized, not by my nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's God's work. I know that. Now, let me finish up this little bit of history right here. Let me just finish it up for you. All right. The history of Israel and Babylon. Write this down. Five thirty nine B.C., Cyrus overthrows Babylon and he establishes the Medo-Persian Empire. So the Babylonian Empire is no more. He has now establishes the Medo-Persian Empire. Five thirty eight B.C., Cyrus issues a decree allowing the Jews to return to Jerusalem at that time, many returned and they laid the foundation to the temple and the temple was completed in 515 BC. Now, even though a decree, get this mind-bodily, even though a decree, or maybe not, even though a decree went out that the people of God could return to their homeland, many of them stayed in Babylon. Remember, for some, Babylon is all they knew of life many were born there and raised in Babylon and many went to Babylon high school and many of them went to University of Babylon and this is all they know i mean they 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 grew up here and this is this is where their life and their jobs and their their lives were established there they had children and grandchildren in Babylon and Babylon was all they knew so when the decree was given that they could leave Many didn't want to leave, so they stayed because they were prospering. Get this, two to three million Jews were taken into captivity, and actually only about a total of 50,000, 60,000 returned to the homeland, and the rest of them stayed in Babylon. That's only like 2%. And they returned, the ones that did return, they came back under the leadership of Ezra, And several came back under his leadership. Oh, you remember Ezra. He was a priest and a scribe. Ezra's mission in coming back was to instruct the people in the ways of worship. Because when the people got back, initially they were good. Worshiping God. But then they got off track and they began to worship false gods. So God used Ezra in rebuilding the people. And Nehemiah in rebuilding the walls. Now, look at verse 1. The words of Nehemiah the son of Hecaliah.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923.